Welcome to the Life Melbourne podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. Lord, we love you so much. It is an honor to be in your presence. We thank you so much for your church. We thank you for the people around us. Father, we thank you that you see every detail. It's not accident that we've been here. It's not an accident. We've been declaring move in power. And that's what we want today, God. Lord, not just a, a, a bunch of information and a whole lot of like, oh, okay, so that's going to be coming up. Lord, we want something of your power to touch our lives. Lord, I pray for the most seasoned of believer in the room. Lord, that it would be like that hunger as if it was the first time again. And I pray for the great person that's never been in an environment like this before. I thank you that your peace makes a way for everyone. So let your peace just rest in these moments knowing that, God, you see us all and you love us all dearly. And we just respond by saying we love you. In Jesus' name, can you say amen? Let's give him some praise. Hey? Let's really honor, thank God for who he is. Before you sit, pretty awesome. My in-laws are here. Two of my most favorite people on the planet. Nadia's mum and dad, Mark and Jan, they are in the room. And I think we should give them a huge, huge clap. It's been four and a half years. We're just marveling. Jan just retired after being a nurse for 40 years in the same hospital. Pretty amazing. She got called the angel without even being told and without even realizing they just said she's an angel. Amazing if you're consistent and you're faithful and you just see the ones. It's amazing what people see that you don't sometimes see while you're in the middle of it. And then when it comes to the end, you realize, wow, God, you were shining more than I realized. And then there's my father-in-law. He's one of my heroes. So blessed to have such incredible parents, but people who have made a decision to put God first every season. And as I was preparing today, it's not about, I'm the first man who will ever say it's not about us, but I do want to honor you and say this is part of the legacy. Because in many seasons you could have walked, you stayed. And you loved Jesus, you kept Him the main thing. And here we stand in the goodness of God. Thank you for raising such an incredible daughter. And we just honor you, and honor you both. So can we just thank God for this couple? Can we just honor them? We don't get this opportunity much. All right, grab a seat. Team, you have been such a blessing this morning. Thank you so much. Those who served us from the car park as well, thank you so much for your, your commitment to loving and looking after people. And in every area, we, we value you so much. And, and um, today is Mission Sunday. So across every life campus, uh, if you're unaware, we're one church uh, across two countries, and I can't remember how many campuses there are, but there are a few. And uh, I think it's about six or seven. And so, uh, and in every campus, last week, we had our senior pastor, Pastor Luke, uh, share God's heart and uh, his heart in regards to the theme for this year, the one, who loved last week. If you weren't here, understand that there's things that sometimes we can't make it or we've been away. You do need to jump online and you do need to get the podcast because it really is a, a God theme that's leading us through this year. And I'm going to speak on that as well. Uh, but today is Mission Sunday. So it's really in every location, we're just unpacking and talking about some of the localized things that we're going to be uh, just uh, continually stepping into as a church and just placing uh, a sense of going, God, you're in this, let's go, we're a part of it. Uh, but I, I actually felt today... 
um, that I want to wind it back and I want to take us on a bit of a story, a bit of a journey of the last uh, three years because what God has done in the last three years have been miraculous. Uh, absolutely unbelievable. And sometimes you might be in this room going, oh man, I've heard this story a number of times now. Do you know that it, uh, in the Old, Old Testament, it proves to us and shows us that if we don't keep talking about the things that only God did, then it's not long before we start looking at what we can do. And I tell you, we are not here to look at what we can do. We're here to keep our eyes focused on the one and what he wants to do. And so when we look back, we actually realize when he calls us ahead, he's going to be faithful as he was and he'll be faithful again. And we keep taking steps. But in that, I actually felt not to, in a sense, have a whole lot of like big out there wow things. I felt like God saying, the last three years is you've been fulfilling what I asked. And you've, you've stepped into what I asked you to do as a church here in Melbourne and, uh, and now I just want to start seeing it multiply and increase in what you're doing. So uh, maybe if we wind it back, but uh, we'd been given notice uh, just over three years ago today. We'd been given notice in our previous venue, and we were in and out of lockdowns, hadn't been able to go and see any other venue. It was unexpected. We had two and a half years left on our lease. We'd been given notice to get out within three months. We navigated that to be five months. And now we're at uh, the end of 2020, going into 2021, come back from holidays, and uh, we literally have three and a half months to before we have to get out of our previous church. The church, you, you guys didn't know, uh, the board knew, and, uh, and Pastor Paul and Marie and a couple of the key team knew, but who knows, when you're in lockdown, that's bad enough, then realizing, hey, we're going to be kicked out of our church. And so we thought, you know, wisdom says, God, you're going to make a way, and in that, we'll share the journey as you keep unfolding it to us. And so at the, at the start of that year, at about middle of January, First day back in the office, I'm on my knees under my desk saying, God, you need to speak. You need to show me something that has this reality that I know that I know that, God, your promise to us that this is not the landlord shutting the door, but you opening a new one. God, I need to go in this year with something to hold on to. And that funny thing was, is all that January, as we had services, every time we got on stage, and I, we just couldn't help but declare expansion. And that we hadn't had that word, hadn't thought of that word before. But here we are, knowing that we've got nowhere to go, yet we just couldn't help but say, God, this is a year of expansion. This is a year of enlargement. This is a year of, and not over just our church, but over every family, every individual, every area that God wants to move. So we're declaring this, but literally the, the, like the finish line is coming up. I'm on my knees, and as I'm in that place of prayer, for me, you know, God speaks in many different ways, but I love that he speaks to us in ways that speak to us. And in that, he gave me a picture, and I love different pictures, but he gave me a picture of an aircraft carrier. And this is the aircraft carrier that I saw. Anybody seen this picture before, shown in our services? He showed me that picture of an aircraft carrier, right? Not a cruise ship, but a battleship. And in that, what I love about it, the incredible thing about an aircraft carrier is one of the Navy SEAL vessels, sorry, the Navy vessels, is that they're a huge presence with incredible power. But their main purpose is actually to engage in hostile situations and resolve it through peace. That's the amazing thing. They're not in there to go and just start like, and just blow everything up. They're actually there to go in and start to bring a reality going, hey guys, there's a big presence here. Maybe we don't need to go down this path anymore. Let's start to wind it back. And they're actually a peace bringer. And so the very next day, so that's Wednesday, I'm on my knees, I get this picture, I get a couple of scriptures, and the very next day as I'm leaving the office, one of the great guys in our church who's in the medical field has an hour free, he texts me, uh, sorry, an hour free at lunchtime, he cold calls commercial real estate agents, not because he knew anything, but just because he had time free, 
And then one of the nine people he called, one gave him a, a, a call back and sent him a text message of a property that was not listed. It was private, confidential. He then sends it to me as I'm driving out the old church venue. And as I'm about to turn to go home, God says, didn't I, didn't I say to you, do the work? Like, didn't I say that you, didn't you say you'd go and see everything? And I said, yes, Lord. And so as I was going to turn, I turned the indicator the other way, driving along. We're looking to lease about 3,000 square meters. And as I'm going along, looking at the details, I realize this is not land to lease. This is land to buy. And I'm thinking, why, Lord, are we even looking at this? But the promise I had in my heart to God was, I don't want to waste time on something that's not you. So the moment I step on it, I need you to say, I'm in this. And so literally, as I'm driving down the slip line, like many of you did this morning, I drove in underneath the water tower. Jesus, hope for all. Amen. Drove under that water tower, and this moment my wheels touched the driveway, boom, God said, I'm in this. And I'm like, you're in, you're in this? How are you in this? <laughs> and then, 90 days later, out of crazy realities of God bringing all these pieces together, we had no bank contacts, we had no understanding about what the normity of what we were getting into, but 90 days later, we had the legality sorted, we had full finance approved, we had all the due diligence, and there were lots of things that still needed to be worked out. But 90 days later, from nothing, we were signing unconditional on the dotted line, and God enabled us to take hold of this kingdom land. And in that moment, I knew that Sim Street was our God-given vessel. We have declared that the moment, I can't tell you, I can't for time go into it, I can't tell you the feeling that when the vendor rung up and and they agreed to countersign. And the agent called me and he said, it's done. And in that moment, God said, Craig, this is kingdom land forever. And from that, we came a statement that this is going to be forever. Land that is set apart for the name of Jesus to be lifted up. God's church to be built. The generations to be saved. Revival to break out and people to be restored. Where the Holy Spirit will move in power. God's truth will set people free. A home for all will be found and an ever-increasing family will be formed. That is the home that we are a part of. That is the house of God. And I can't tell you, it would take literally a week to go through the details of the miracle after miracle after miracle. And we can't honor our church enough for the big spirit you carried, for the willingness and the generosity to hear from God and take a step. The late nights, the early mornings, the all in. And my gosh, God made a way where there seemed like there was no way. The crazy thing with this aircraft carrier, though, is that uh, when I looked into it, I actually realized that the aircraft carrier has four key purposes, to carry, equip, deploy, and recover. And, uh, and so th the first one was, like God said, you're going to carry more people than you've ever carried before. And, uh, and the incredible thing was, is that that was like, that was a promise to come. It was actually something that it started straight away in 2021. Not that there hasn't been health and God's been so faithful over the years, but it was like straight away, this ability to carry and to care for more people than ever before. The amazing thing is, since walking into this building and opening on the 20th of October last year, last year, so only like however many months that is, four and a bit, including kids, we have seen 488 people fill out cards and say, we are here to be a part of God's church. We have seen 234 people make a decision for Jesus since October the 20th. That's awesome. We are seeing the unfolding of that which God has promised us. And so one thing, just as within Mission Sunday, and these aren't like, go, oh, those aren't really big things, but they're important things. 
One of the things that we're going to be starting, and not this Friday coming, but the one following, on the 1st of March, we're going to have our first Welcome to Life party on a Friday night. And literally, the invite's going out, and it's gone out to literally 400 and something people to be like, hey, if, if life's home, then come connect with the family. Let's have dinner together. Let's hang together. Let's get to know each other. Why? Because God hasn't got us to occupy a seat. God's got us here to be occupied with what He wants to do in and through our lives. And so it's just been so encouraging. And so we're going to be having these on a regular basis. Why? Because we think it's important when the Bible says that uh, we're to be planted in His house. Come on, we're not to be attenders of His house. When, when, when 3,000 people were saved at the start of Acts and a move of God, it said that, and God added them to the church. Right? He didn't just have disciples and decision makers who then just wandered back to wherever. No, no, 3,000 were added to the church that day. And I think it's important for us to hear the vision, to understand the clarity, and to actually say, hey, am I going to be added and planted? Why? Because planted people, they prosper. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. And even in old age, they will still bear great fruit. I'm telling you, I don't know, but I don't want to have just attendees. Come on, let's be people who are planted together, raising generations in the house. And so then off the back of those, we're going to be every Sunday morning, off the back of those days, we're going to have an opportunity for everyone making a decision to, who's fresh in church to make it home. Stand to your feet. We're going to pray. We're going to prophesy. And we're just going to commission heaven over. As who reckons that's a good idea? I think it's a good thing. It may seem simple, but actually it's very significant. Uh, the second purpose is to equip that we'd see every desiring heart uh, discipled to discover the truth of who God destined them to be. Enable true freedom and transformation through the teaching and the enabling of God's word. And so what we are starting is we're going to be starting night classes. Uh, I've been so looking forward to getting in here because I really believe that every day and every night there's going to be things that are happening within the community, things happening within our church family. And so we've got night classes starting from term two. So we're going to be starting Bible classes as well that you can be a part of and just grow in areas that you're interested and passionate about and just get deep into God's Word, which is awesome. We're going to be having, having our freedom course continually uh, taking place, which is about seeing people get rid of the old. Come on, clear out the stuff that the enemy wants us to hold on to. Get rid of all of that. Let's live free in what God's called us to. Marriage courses. Uh, we're going to believe in the future. We're going to have courses for finance and just to help people in their daily living. And we want to see people grow in the things of God. Come on, let's mature in the things of God. Is that good? Third purpose is deploy. All right. Deploy, and I really uh, believe that we're going to see hundreds and then we're going to see thousands of people deployed into their God-given purpose. And uh, we're going to be with a united mission, not to see ourselves become something, but to see His kingdom become everything. And so uh, we really believe that every sphere of society, I, I have always declared that uh, we are all in full-time ministry regardless of occupation. Come on, whether we're nurturing our family as, as parents, as we raise them in our home, through to uh, being in the marketplace, through to being a tram driver, through to working a forklift job and, and, and doing stuff in retail, whatever it might be. Come on, you're a light in that area to bring help and to bring hope and to shine Jesus. Uh, we're going to continue, obviously, with our community kitchens, wanting to expand that. We've got Christmas box. We're expanding that. But one thing I wanted to let you know about, which is new, is our Help and Hope Week. So new is our Help and Hope Week. Help and Hope Week uh, is a week that from the 18th uh, through to the 23rd, a Monday through to a Saturday of March, we are going to just have a week where we're going to mobilize. We're literally going to say, come on, if this is our life home, this is our family, we're going to mobilize. And we're not just here to, to occupy a piece of space uh, in the city. We're here to get into the city. We're here to go and help people, to love on people, to serve people. And so that week, 
uh, we're going to have a whole lot of opportunity and areas that people can get involved in. It might be a night of the week during the day of the week. And uh, we're believing as well that we're going to be able to restore people's uh, homes and makeover gardens and do a whole lot of different things. We want to offer free coffee all week long in the mornings to the tradies and we get them in the building, let them know there's a church there for them. Just do a whole lot of practical stuff that says, hey, we're not here to hide in the corner. We're not here about what we do for an hour and a half on a Sunday. No, no, we are here to serve. We're here to love and we're here to go. Can I get an amen? Awesome. You're all registered already. That's fantastic. So make sure um, that uh, if you want to pull out your phone, you can just get that and then you can go on to it later. But we're going to need a lot of people to, to step up and own different parts of that. Then also, we've got life business kicking off again. Uh, as a church, it's one of our four focuses, the area of the marketplace, the corporate sector, those in business, those who have a heart for business. We want to keep championing what's on your life. Uh, keep speaking into that area, speaking in faith and just really declaring, come on, this is not an area we just get by and do our thing. No, no, it's a breath of God moment. And in those environments, let's see the kings and queens that they call of our day. Let's see them encounter Jesus and come into his kingdom. And so uh, that's going to be happening as well in April, which is really exciting. And then the, the last one of the car aircraft carrier is Recover. And really in that, it really felt stirred in our heart. I feel it's like it's a grace on our house is, is just to be a place where people can come who've been battered. Come, if you just feel a little bit uh, disconnected and, and you've got this heart for God, but stuff's happened. And it's a place just to come and it's to recover. Just to encounter the presence of God again. Realize, come on, that He's not done yet. That there's a thing in our heart that says, God, can you still use me? Absolutely, He can still use you. But there are times, come on, if we've been injured, we need a hospital bed. But in that recovery, there'll be someone who loves you enough to say, come on, there's a calling on your life. It's time to get moving again. And maybe you're in that season. I tell you what, I love the story we're about to read because it reveals that God's grace flows where he's called you. And sometimes recovery needs the fresh grace of God on it. We go, oh, I'm just not ready for that. But it's an area you're graced for. And unless you operate in that area, this, that grace can't minister through you. And as he ministers through you, it's amazing how he's also healing you. And I just want to say, I know if you need to build trust and take time, take time. But we also believe in you enough to say God's not done yet. Amen? All right. And then uh, within that as well, uh, over the last 12 months, I know it's a lot of information, but within that, over the last 12 months, um, something that God put in our spirit, uh, but hadn't talked about on stage and actually was very hard to say out loud, um, not because of the faith that it required, but just because it, this, like, it's very like, it's like sovereign. It's not flippant. It's not just like, oh, hey, cool, let's just throw more vision out there. No, if God, if, if this is what you're asking, <laughs> then God, we've got faith to follow you. We've got faith to trust you. But uh, Decade of Destiny was, was something we actually started to declare publicly last year for the very first time. And the reason I explain this is because there are a lot of great fresh people here, but also, come on, Life Family, we can't get tired of hearing what God's calling us to. Life's so busy, we get so caught up, and then we look up two years later and go, oh, that's right. No, no, we've got to stay focused on the kingdom things that God's placed on our life as well. Uh, number one is that we'll be debt-free on Sim Street Purchase and our Stage 1 fit-out. That in the next seven and a half years, come on, we're going to see financial miracles take place. We're going to see people flourish in kingdom areas. And every person from a, a widow to a, a teenager to a child to those who are philanthropic people, every person can just do what God puts in their heart to do. And we'll see an absolute move take place. You say, why that? Why? Because once we're in that position, we can keep extending wherever God wants us to go believing that we'll see two new life campuses launched here across Melbourne. And uh, why? Because we need to make more room for more precious people to come and belong to a family of faith. 
uh, we believe we're going to start life homes. You say, what are life homes? Uh, there's short, medium, and long-term homes, accommodation, where we can bring people who have been through seasons in life where they're needing to be restored. And so maybe they're coming off the street. Maybe they're coming out of prison. Maybe they're indigenous young people that don't have a family. Well, if we could have homes that we could say, come on, you can belong here. And we'll rehabilitate for the time that's needed, not through just practices of modern day thinking and theology. No, no, through God's word, through his presence and by his spirit, we're going to see people engage in the reality of what God's called them to. We're going to see long life lasting transformation. We're going to engage in educational services believing that we'll have multiple pathways to bring lasting transformation to our community. The three-story building that's through that wall there, we're believing that the top two stories are going to be places that are going to be fit out with enabling people in our community who have no work, who have been uh, disqualified and been kicked out of it, but come get requalified, get a great skill, equip yourself, and then get back into society and start being able to get on your feet and create purpose. We believe that that's going to be a real community hub. Can you say amen to that? And then the last one, and I, again, hold this very sovereignly, and it's not just a catchphrase, but I do believe Sim Street Revival. I believe Sim Street Revival. First and foremost, guys, if we are not here to see the name of Jesus lifted up and to see lost people found, then we are occupied with something that doesn't occupy God's heart. What occupies God's heart is that we would go into all the world. And so I'm really believing that we will see revival take place. When I said this for the first time, I quit my eyes were just filled with tears. But I just want you to hear it. It's not a catchphrase. It's not a casual statement. It's not a cliche. It's something that's sacred. It's something that we will not promote. We won't need to promote. If it's a, it's a, if it's a God-led revival, God will lead it. He will breathe it. He will do it. It won't have our name all over it. Because it's not about the name of life. It's about the name of Jesus. And it won't be about what we can get from it, but it's about what God wants to do through it. And so these are things that I just wanted to put in front of us on a Mission Sunday. They're going, oh, well, that's not new. I've heard that stuff. No, no, let's keep carrying what God's put in front of us. We've now stepped into the promised land, the promised miracle. Let's believe for multiplying upon it. Amen? All right. In the little time that we have left, I have to say I've got a word in my heart. And it's going to be quick, but last Sunday when Pastor Luke talked about the fact that this is the year of the one. God sent his one so Jesus can be our one. We discover that he is our one. And then the 2024, who is our one? The question, who is our one? And we got those little green cards that we could write down somebody's name on. Do you remember that? These cards, and we wrote people's names on, and, and we're holding on to that every day, praying for them by name, believing, God, that you're going to be able to enable them to step into what you have on their life. But Sim Street Revival, you know, to think revivalist, right? It sounds like a very super Christian thing. It sounds like, you know, the once in a generation kind of Billy Graham kind of guy or girl. It sounds like it's all about the masses, but last week, Pastor Luke revealed to us that one of the disciples we overlook, probably the, one of the most, Andrew, was actually one of the ones who enabled something of God to happen that we are all beneficiaries of today. And so when we think revivalists and Sim Street revival, often can be like, oh, well, that's just way out there. That's just like so big and it's just so, but I'd like to go and find the first revivalist of the New Testament and go to that first revivalist and just see, maybe, just maybe, it'll give us a little bit of courage to realize we don't need to be all that in a bag of potato chips. 
But actually, God can use anyone who's got a willing heart and who is able to exchange the old to be able to step into the new and then just be willing to be able to share what Jesus has done in our life. So I'm going to read a story of the first revivalist in the New Testament. It's in John 4, 1 to 42. I'm going to read all of it. You say, all of it? That's a lot. I'm going to read all of it. Why? Because I'd have to say this is actually my favorite story in the Bible. And there's so much we could unpack from it, but we're going to keep it very succinct in Jesus' name. John 4, 1 to 42. If you don't have a Bible on you, it'll be on the screen. Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more people, more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. That is actually the goal of my life, the goal of our ministry, the goal of our church, that we would simply do what Jesus is doing, Jesus has asked us to do, right? And that his name would start spreading about what's happening. And Jesus is going, it's not me that's doing it, it was them that doing it, but it's not them that's getting the glory, it's Jesus that's getting the glory. So we just simply be faithful with what he's asked us to do, and then his name can spread throughout the land. And so we left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town called Samaria, sorry, in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew. I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Obviously forbidden, right? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would give you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and livestock. Jesus would have been great at that moment. He said, yes, actually, I was one of the ones who wrestled with him at night. But anyway, back to the story. And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw. And he told her, go, call your husbands and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. In fact, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. And what you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim to be, this to be a place where we must worship in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when we will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Wow, he loves it when our spirits seek him. God is spirit and worshipers must spirit, worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus declared, I am the one speaking to you. I am he. Just then the disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and 
said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, still four months more until the harvest? I tell you, open up your eyes. Look at the fields. Look at your families. Look at our community. Look into our schools and universities. Look into every area of society so longing for something to make sense. I tell you, the harvest is ripe. Every now, who's, every now even now, sorry, the one who reaps his wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and other reaps is true. But I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work. You have reaped the benefits. Then it goes on, verse 39. Many of the Samaritans, revival. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. Doesn't that go that we don't need to hide the reality of what God's did? We actually need to help others see what God has done. The more you hide it, the more you cover what God's actually wanting to help others see. He did it for you. He can do it for me. He told me everything I ever did. So the woman, so when the Samaritan came to him, they urged him to stay with him. And he stayed two more days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And then the woman, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the savior of the world. What an incredible account. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, although that, may seem longer than what we would normally share in one context. I pray the truth of that would just pierce our hearts. Father, for the person that's in the room that feels like right now they're like that woman, despised, outcast, overlooked. Father, that they would know we have a Savior that's run to them, that's made a way to them. Father, I pray for those of us who have drunk from the living water, Lord, that we would realize what we have is what the world is longing for. And Father, I pray for those of us that disqualify the call of God, we would realize we don't need to talk about us. We just need to talk about you. And Father, you can do something in days that we couldn't make happen in years. We give you all the praise. Can you say amen? Amen. Three quick things this woman did to be able to see others encounter the wonder of Jesus. Number one, she had a had to. It started with a had to. Jesus had to go to Samaria. He had to find this lost person. He had to find the outcast. He had to find the, the one who was literally avoiding the reality of being around people. Yet Jesus said, I've got to make my way to her. Jesus encounters her. She has this dynamic, this, this engagement with her, right? And then the reality of it is, is that she then believes. Like it, it's clear that we can see that she's actually received what's taken place. And all of a sudden, she's on her way. Right? It doesn't say that Jesus told her she needed to go back to her community. She didn't, didn't, didn't say, hey, now, can you go back into your village and get everyone there from Saichi to come out? Didn't say that, but there was something in her that had a had to. There was something that in her that the moment she received the Spirit of God, it was no longer about how do I live for myself, occupy myself, and just do what I want to do on myself. There was something that all of a sudden started running to others. I don't know about you, but that's, that's encouraging. 
See, the had to and a have to are actually different things. Some people go, oh, so I have to. Oh, well, because I have to. I don't want to. Don't we live in that day and age right now? If you tell your kids they have to do something, they don't want to do it. But then there's sometimes that they go, there's a had to. See, a have to, right, is an obligation. I have to. But a had to is actually an ownership. I had to, I got, got, got to. I, I can't miss this opportunity of what God's doing. A have to is a requirement. A had to is a responsibility. A have to is a law, but a had to is a love. There's something that's just like, I cannot keep this to myself. I cannot just hold this. There's an opportunity before me to be able to let others know of what I've just discovered. I'm sorry, Jesus. I know we could stay and hang, and I know the boys have just got here, and we could, but I, I've, I've got to go. I've got to go. I've got to go and share this. I've got to go and let somebody know that what's happened in my heart has just changed the trajectory of my life. I can't keep this to myself. And I tell you what, when the spirit of the living God gets on the inside of us, there's got to be something inside of us that doesn't just remain closed, but starts to open the wonder of who we are so that others can encounter the same. Can I get an amen? It's challenging, but at the same time, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. All of this is from God, who reconciled himself through Christ and gave us the ministry he gave us a ministry of reconciliation. And you go, oh, that's a big responsibility. No, that's the greatest honor we have. If we would just look at it differently, oh, that's a big, heavy obligation. Wow, what an opportunity. Oh, wow, that seems like quite a full-on legal thing. Wow, I get to see others encounter the same love that I have. It's a, it's a slight subtlety, but it's a big difference. I love that God was not reconciling the world, uh, that God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. Wow, what a savior we have in Jesus. And he has committed us to us, to you and I, the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. And so we employ you on Christ's behalf. If you're not here in love with Jesus yet, be reconciled to Christ. Come on, let something can flow in your heart that nothing else can ever match or compare to. Come on, if there's a had to inside of us, there's an urgency. There's got to be an urgency inside of us. There's got to be the reality that, low, guys, yes, it takes, it takes effort. It takes intentionality. Holy Spirit, today, put people in my path that I get to shine and get to pour you into. That's a prayer that then enables God to move that also requires us to act, right? Jesus got to the well. He was physically tired. There's some things in, in bringing the gospel to people or just going out and shining your light day in, day out for 40 years in a hospital. That's physically tiring. But if we would just be consistent and doing it from a place of worship and an overflow of what God's done in our life, come on, you are shining brighter. You are bringing a, making a difference more than you'll ever realize. But yeah, it's going to cost us something. But come on, what did the word say? That when we're operating in the grace of God, we're receiving something far greater than a sandwich or a Big Mac or a great pizza. You know, food won't supply what the grace of God will supply when you're in His presence doing His will. Come on, there's a reality of the Great Commission. Number two, so there's got to be a had to. Number two is we've got to drop the jars. It says that she left her jars and went. What does that represent? She left the temporary. She left the things that she had been working to fill on her own and do in her own strength. She left that stuff and she went. There's got to be something in us if we're going to be people that carry that revival spirit, that carry that ability of bringing Jesus to people. Is we've got to leave the temporary things. Come on, the, the, the jugs, uh, leaving them behind showed that she had actually 
um, committed to the fact of I'm not going back to the same old, same old, same old, same old. I've met someone who meets every need. And that's the one that I'm worth following. That's the one who gives us the wellspring of life. We've got to... We've got to Drop the approval of others. Stop drinking from the approval of other people applauding and saying you're doing a good job. Stop drinking from the thing that gives you pleasure for a moment, but actually through the lust and self-indulgence, it leaves you more broken and empty on the inside. We're going to stop drinking from that stuff. Stop drinking from self-sufficiency. Independence. Stop drinking from this thing that you've got to project like you got it all together. Stop drinking from that. I love it. She ran back and she says, come meet a man who told me everything I've ever done. Right? The last thing was about projecting a perfection of us. No, it was about pointing people to a perfect savior. Oh, I love that. See, when we drink from him, it's pure. It's lasting. It's living. And it's unlimited. Stop drinking from hurt. We live in a society right now that validates the pain. Feeding off offense. I'm so offended. Oh, man, I'm such a victim. And you're poisoning yourself. Stop it. She had reason to feel like a victim. She had reason to feel broken and just drink off the brokenness. I was rejected by them, rejected by them, rejected by them, rejected by them. No one will ever want it. No, no, no. The moment she drank living water, it transformed her from the inside out. I'm not saying that the hurt's not real. I'm not saying that the pain's not real. But there's something living. There's something pure. There's something powerful in the water of Christ that has to say his cross is enough. His cross is enough. And I'll journey with the right people, but I'm not going to go and take that and start slandering that around because that's not going to draw anyone to our Savior. Let's draw them to the one that's able. Grace received means we can reveal grace. Forgiveness granted means we can forgive Hope anchored means hope's available. Love poured in, love pours out. The well we are drinking from is the well we will lead others to. I want to ask you the question, is the well you're drinking from drying you up or drenching you? Because if it's of him, you'll stay drenched. But if it's of this world, it'll dry you up. It'll dry you up. Come on, drop the jars. Drop the jars. It's time to just drink from the pure source. Remember what he said? Those who are in Christ are new creation. The old's gone. The new has come. Last one, team. Well, Sam, come join me. The last thing is, she had a declaration saying, come meet a man. Come meet a man. I love that. Why do I love that? Because that just sounds like the most classic line from a woman who's had five husbands and the man she's with is not her husband. <laughs> come meet a man. <laughs> Another one? Yes, another one, but he's number seven, and he's straight from heaven. <laughs> oh, come meet a man. <laughs> he told me everything I've ever done, and he wasn't repelled by me. He didn't reject me. He didn't disqualify me. I asked him questions. And my questions didn't disqualify me. I believed in other things, in old religion, but my old beliefs didn't remove me from His promise. He talked about the pain that was in my life, but my, even all that pain that He described didn't park me. There's a man, his name is Jesus, and He has made a way. See, what we're gonna do is we're gonna realize we're gonna cross the divide. 
We're told right now that there's a society that doesn't want to connect, doesn't want people of God in their life, doesn't want, maybe because it's historical stuff, maybe because it's societal projection. But I gotta tell you, we gotta be like Jesus. We gotta cross the divide. Come on, He went from a Jew to a prophet to a Messiah. There was a moment where it went from a, 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 an ask and this religious moment to actually becoming a relational exchange. And when the relational exchange took place, who knows that the resistance started to lift, but He crossed the divide. Jesus didn't wait for them to come looking and asking. No, He crossed the divide. I love that we have a church that brings people week in, week out into the wonder of God's house. But I tell you what, we've got to be people every week. We've got to go out. We've got to cross the divide. Yes, it might feel uncomfortable. Yes, we might not know the answer. Yes, it might be, feel like conflict at the start, but through relationship, there can be an exchange. And what we're wanting people to grab is not religion. We want them to grab a relationship. Why? Because we're not saying, come look at me, look at me, look at me. No, what did she say? Come meet a man. Come meet a man that can save you. Come meet a man that can heal you. Come meet a man that can restore you. Come meet a man who knows the wonder of the plan, the purpose he has for you. Come meet a man. Come meet the man. I love that. So the good thing about us having to carry this truth of crossing the divide, the good news is the cross of Christ has already overcome every divide. For there is nothing on heaven and earth, above or beneath, no principality about that can separate us from the love of God. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. I love what they said. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. I love that. We're no longer here just because of living off the revelation of somebody else. No, we're not just here, decided to be part of this because you asked us and, and you shared your story. No, 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 we've heard for ourselves. So when you lead them to a man, when you lead them to, not a man, sorry, when you lead them to the man, Jesus, come on, who knows what He can speak into their hearts, what He can speak into their lives, what He can say in a moment, what His presence can do in an instant is something we can never orchestrate or make happen in our own ability. But come on, lead them to the man. It says, now we've heard for ourselves and we know this, real, this man really is. And they actually extended. He is the Savior of the world. Okay, he's not just the Savior of the Samaritans. He's the Savior of the world. There is no one that's beyond His reach. There's no one beyond His grace. There's no one beyond His love. There's no one beyond His forgiveness. There's no one beyond His hope. There's no one beyond His healing. There's no one beyond deliverance. There's no one beyond so broken that He can't repair them. There's no one who's done so much to offend God with their life that He doesn't welcomely open His arms and say, come on, I'm going to give you everlasting life. Place your hope in me. Place your faith in me. And I will set you free. Revival is in the heart of every person. Revival is God's design in His heart through His church. What is revival? Revival is people encountering life. And I would love the honor, privilege as we close, I'd love the honor to pray for anyone and everyone here joining us online as well, 
love that you're connected. You just say, Craig, the truth is, is I, I haven't met him yet. I don't know this love you're talking about. It's a love that crosses every divide, crosses every barrier. You, what do I got to go fix up so I'm good enough for God? No, no, you've heard the story. Jesus came to her and didn't say, go clean yourself up and come back. He said, no, no, just drink from me. Receive eternal life. Receive everlasting love. Receive forgiveness. Receive my hope. And you will discover what true life is really worth. He will restore, He will repair, and He will make new. He will never force you, but He will say, He will give you the opportunity. Come on, drink from me. Receive me. Welcome me into your heart. Believe in me. And the Bible says, whoever believes in Him shall not be condemned. No, no, but you will receive eternal life. This morning, do you know Jesus? Do you know His love? And do you know the reality of the fact that you are walking with God, that you are in relationship, not in religion. Jesus didn't offer religion. Jesus came and He offered relationship and it set her life, her religious life free. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, or maybe you once knew Him, but you've been disconnected, I would love to be able to pray a prayer. One prayer, but it's a significant prayer that would invite and enable anyone and everyone here who wants to get right with God, who wants to start a relationship with Jesus, to be able to make a personal decision and say, God, I'm choosing to believe in you. I'm choosing to welcome you into my heart. I'm choosing to receive the fullness of who you are into the life that I'm living. Right where you are, you got to hear it. God loves you. God sees you. God wants you. God has a plan for you. And He's knocking on the door. The Bible says He knocks on the door of our heart to whoever who would open it. And I just know right now He's knocking on hearts. Again, you may be out of the room, but I want to tell you, God's in there. His presence is with you and He's knocking the door of your heart and He's saying, would you let me in? So with every eye closed, every heart open, if you're here and you say, Craig, I don't know Jesus. I haven't got a relationship with God. Or maybe I once did, but I'm disconnected. And today I need to receive living water. I need to receive eternal life. I need to receive and start a relationship with Jesus. And without anyone looking around, but so that you can make a decision and so how I, I know who I'm praying for. If you're here and say, Craig, would you include me in a prayer that I could know God for myself, whether for the first time or you're getting your life back right with Him all over this room, if that's you, would you just take, say, yep, that's me, and just shoot your hand up in the air and say, Craig, include me in this prayer that I get right with God. Fantastic. That's awesome. Come on, let's celebrate people making that decision. Thank you. So proud of you. Somebody else, if I didn't see, just wave to me. Those online as well. The most important thing is God sees the response of your heart. Oh, He loves you so much. Two or three incredible people in the room. Let's all pray this together. Say, Dear Jesus, I thank You that You love me, that You are enough. And I declare I'm putting my hope in You, my belief in You. I know that You love me. I thank You that You made a way through the cross and raising to life, that I might be forgiven, set free, made whole, brand new. And I believe and I declare from this day forward, I'll live with you and for you. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Come on, everyone, can we honour, celebrate and thank God for incredible people making that decision. So, so awesome. We trust that you were encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life. And we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Melbourne campus. If you're not in Melbourne, then join us for Church Online, wherever you are in the world. Just head to lifeau.org to stay connected and find out more.